This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings, listeners. Welcome to Star Diary, Radio Astronomy's weekly guide to the best things to see in the night sky in the week of the 4th to the 10th of April. I'm Ezzie Pearson, and I'm joined on the podcast today by our reviews editor, Paul Money. So, Paul, welcome back again. Hello there, Ezzie. Yes, another week of exciting events. I mean, it's amazing. There's always something to look at. You know, the night sky is always changing. There's always something. And I must admit, you know, we do tend to follow the moon a lot. Well, that's because of the moon's orbit around the Earth. So a lot of events will always involve the moon, but we'll try to pick out a few other events as well. And guess what? Gosh, for once, we start off, wait for it, in the evening sky. No. (laughs) I, I know. It makes a change. But you can't miss this one because April the 4th and the 5th, it does involve the moon. It's a thin crescent, but on the 4th, it lies directly under the Pleiades by several degrees. So it's hanging below the Pleiades star cluster, Messier 45. Um, It's a wonderful star cluster. I mean, it's naked eye. Um, It does depend on your eyesight as to how many you see. I mean, my record was uh, sort of like nine, uh, sorry, 11 was my absolute record before I had to wear glasses. But uh, this last winter, I did actually see nine with my glasses. So I was quite pleased with that sort of thing because, you know, it is... uh, And I did the uh, star count uh, in February and I did quite well with Orion. and I was very pleased with that. Uh, So, uh, you know, so you do need dark skies again, but there's a lot of cluster members in that Messier 45. But uh, it's nice when the moon's hanging below it. Photographers like to get pictures like this. You see the sort of the crescent moon hanging below the Pleiades sort of thing. Makes a nice uh, picture for the evening. And then because it's part, I mean, Taurus, it always strikes me. It's like, I always think of that constant as being dominated by two main clusters. So you've got Messier 45 and you've got the Hyades cluster. And of course, the Hyades cluster this time of year is level near enough with the Pleiades. So it's to the left of the Pleiades. And of course, 
apparently looking as if it's part of the Hyades cluster is Aldebaran. And of course, it's not. It's actually half the distance of the cluster, so it's not a true member at all. So the moon hangs below the Pleiades on the 4th. The next evening, it's higher. And we, we, we talked about triangles last week, didn't we? Well, the mm. thing about this is that this time we've got a triangle with the Pleiades to the right, the moon at the apex above, and then Aldebaran to the left sort of thing. So you've got this nice triangle uh, with there. And in actual fact, um, the moon will be quite close to Kappa, uh, Tori as well. Uh, there's there's two stars there, Kappa, which is actually Kappa 1 and Kappa 2, quite close together. And then above it, Upsilon Tori as well. So that I always think that'll make a nice little photograph as well, sort of thing with, that they're bright enough. You might be able to do it with a telescope just to catch the two stars quite close to the moon as well. And the other thing to remember about crescent moons is that you should be able to pick up Earth shine. That's quite a gorgeous thing. Mm. It's the second-hand light bounced off the Earth's bright reflective atmosphere and oceans onto the moon, filling in. It's a bit like a photographer's fill-in shadow. They, use, they often use these umbrellas, don't they, to create this exactly. light, reflect the light onto the person and give it a softer appearance. So we've got the bright crescent illuminated by the sun, but the feeble other part of the moon is visible because of this reflected light from the Earth, filling shadow, filling light, as you might say. Yeah, it does always look quite striking. It can be quite beautiful. Beautiful, I have to say, sort of thing. You know, you have to for photography. You have to overexpose the crescent, the daylight side, but it's worth it to get the Earthshine picture. I have to say, sort of thing. So that'd be a, a great view in actual fact. And I say you've got these two stars with the moon on the fifth, quite close to it. So Upsilon uh, and Kappa. So uh, have a have a look at that. You never know what you might see. You might even be able to split Kappa one and two actually with binoculars, ten by fifties. Should be able. To, I would have thought you should be able to split them actually with ten by fifties. So that's in the evening sky, but yes, we, we can't avoid the morning sky because on the morning of April the 5th, so earlier that day, we actually have to go back to the morning sky because Mars has caught up with Saturn and it lies directly below Saturn. It's really at their closest. So you'll see these two stars. They're not touching, but they're bright with brilliant Venus off to the left. You look about 530 in the morning now. So if you you know if you remember from last week, you know, we were talking about six o'clock. And so it's it's because the sky is getting lighter. Now Venus doesn't matter, but Mars and Saturn sort of thing, they're fainter. But uh, I think it's just a gorgeous conjunction of sorts. The gap between the two planets and Venus is just over seven degrees. So if your binoculars give a greater than view of seven degrees, you're all right. So seven by 50, something like that. But a lot of binoculars are around about six to six and a half degrees, you see. Just not quite enough. Exactly. Just just concentrate on Venus and then move to the right and you'll have these two brilliant planets, these Saturn and Mars, pop into the view as well. So uh, there we are. But I say, it is an early morning job, but uh, it just shows you that these planets are constantly moving. I mean, we were talking about them last week, sort of thing, we're in a lineup, And now we've got that, a really, really strange triangle. So with Venus off to the left sort of thing and, and Saturn and Mars sort of thing, and Mars just below Saturn sort of thing, really close together. But it's technically a triangle, isn't it? Still a triangle, just. <laughs> so have a look at that in the morning sky. If you're out walking your dog and you like to get up in twilight sort of thing before the sun's risen sort of thing, some people do, some people are going to work. I've got various friends who go to work at 
Ungodly hours, I have to say. Oh, mind you, we astronomers do that, don't we? We get. I think, a, yeah, I think there's some people who say it's like you stayed up till four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you must be mad. It's it's one of those things that you sometimes have to weigh up. Do do you get in work late? I did once. Oh dear, I got into trouble. So there we are, sort of thing. So you've got to weigh it up. How, so how much trouble are you going to get into? Uh, we at Sky at Night do not recommend you go into work late because of <laughs> observing the night sky. You might get into trouble. Right, now we go back to the evening sky. Yes, back to something more convenient, sort of thing. You know, nine o'clock in the evening. How convenient is that, sort of thing? Nice time, I always think, sort of thing. Just about the right time. So, yes, we're back to the evening sky. Yippee, nine o'clock, sort of thing. It's that nice time where you finish your evening meal and you're relaxing and whatnot, and it's before bedtime, sort of thing. So, uh, nice time to go out. And, yes, we're back to the growing phases of the moon. It's becoming quite clear it's no longer a crescent. So on the 7th, it lies next to the open cluster Messier 35 in Gemini. It's a lovely cluster, well worth having a look at sort of thing. So, uh, you know, and uh, again, it's one of those that uh, if you've got darker skies, you can see the fainter companion cluster as well sort of thing with a telescope. But uh, not for this evening, let's contract because the moonlight will wash that out. So that's on the 7th. Then as it happens, sort of thing, the moon will move through Gemini. It takes, it can take three days, three nights to actually move through Gemini. So Gemini is quite a decent sized constellation, depending on where the moon enters the constellation. So it's in the middle on the 8th, and then on the 9th it forms a straight line with the two brightest stars of Gemini, the, the heads of the twins, Castor and Pollux. And the thing about Castor is it's one of those other little diversions, something the moon helps you see the lineup. So put a telescope on Castor because it's a wonderful double star, two bright white headlights next to each other but you do need reasonably high magnification sort of thing i think they're about four arc seconds or so apart so you know it's a nice pair of stars right next to each other and you realize that these stars we're, we're odd with our sun being on its own aren't we sort of thing you know uh, but uh, many stars actually have uh, not just one companion but often multiple companions so castor is a really lovely one to have a look at and i say you've got the moon forming this wonderful lineup it's almost directly in a line with Castor and Pollux itself. So what we've got here is sort of thing, the moon is heading towards first quarter. So that's when it's half illuminated to our eyes. And on the 10th, the next evening, it is actually at first quarter. And it lies now in Cancer. And in fact, it's actually above the star Gamma Cancri. So there we are. Depends on how you want to pronounce it. Cancri, Cancri. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Is it cancer? I'd go cancer. Um, do you know, I haven't actually ever said it out loud. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the thing. I've only ever written it, it down. You, you read these things and you don't, you know, do, I mean, how many of us stand there saying it out loud? We don't, do we? We have it in our head sort of thing. But they are, it's next to gamma and uh, below gamma sort of thing, you've actually got the cluster Messier 44. Now, it's a lovely open cluster. It's the beehive open cluster. But the thing about this is that the moonlight, being first quarter moon, it will actually start to drown out the fainter stars. But, again, binoculars should show this faint wash of stars with gamma cancri between 
it and the actual moon as well. So well worth actually having a look at. And don't forget, you know, once the moon's moved away, you know, sort of thing, although the sky will get lighter with the the, the moons getting full of phase, and you know, we, you know, it, once it's away, it's not quite the same effect. So uh, do have a look at the cluster itself, sort of thing. Again, we've got it. It's, it's a springtime cluster, but on the border of spring, so we will lose it uh, in the next few months. But uh, we've got plenty of time still to observe that particular cluster itself but uh, i like it when the moon guides us deep sky objects um because often you know you, you don't realize they're there if you if you if you only ever follow the moon you know it's one of those things that it gives you guides to certain stars so i say we mentioned Can- uh, castor and pollux we mentioned natural gamma concrete as well and this is one of the regular things these conjunctions with bright stars often helps draw your eye to the star that you probably wouldn't look at and uh, you know it just so happens that quite a few of them are doubles i'm not sure about gamma um it doesn't ring a bell with being a, a particularly popular double star, so I suspect it's single myself. But uh, it's a nice little patch, but bear in mind, I say, the cluster might well be washed out a little bit with the actual moonlight itself. So there we are, Izzy. There's a whole set. That we had a bit of a mix this time for once, nice mix between morning and evening sort of thing, with the evening for once dominating, which was actually good, wasn't it? Yeah. I think whatever, you know, you like to observe and whenever you like to observe it, there's something good this week. So... Um, if for the week of the 4th to the 10th of April, if there's something that you, you you feel like getting out and stargazing, there's definitely lots of stuff for you to get out there and see. So thank you very much for taking your time to talk to us, Paul. Thank you very much. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes or neither, our Sky Guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Brittany Colley. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skynightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 